Charles visited Milton Keynes and this week, and he also visited the food bank, uh, which was just incredible, really, to be recognised in such a way. And as I was standing there um, in a warehouse the size, easily the size of this building, uh, with over a hundred volunteers and um, four lovely staff who work in there. I couldn't believe that once that was two boxes in my office and me asking people in our church to give some non-perishable food. And the way that God has taken that and used it is just humbling. It's amazing. And so we give honor and glory and thanks to God for being able to be used by him to, I think, meet the needs of thousands of people throughout Milton Keynes since 2004. Um, and so, you know, again, as Billy said, I want to thank you for those of you who support Food Bank, who give to Food Bank, who you can bring in non-perishable items every Sunday, drop them in the, 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 the basket or box just outside the the auditorium doors there, and be a part of that movement as well. Amen? I want to be involved in all these different things. There's lots of things to be involved in, and I've got a spirit that likes to be involved in everything. Just a little bit in everything, because I want to make a difference. Amen? And that's what we're really talking about in our series, called Be Rich. So as Fuller said in week one, that through Be Rich, we actually have an opportunity to remind our community that everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. We have an opportunity to show that. And so the key verse that we are using throughout this campaign is from the Bible, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy, actually, is to how to teach and pastor his, his local church or his church there and his influence. And this is what he said. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You know, in that first week, we also learned that as we look at our global economy, the world today in which we live, actually, the rich ones or those that have a little bit extra, is actually us. As we look at our world today, the rich ones are us. Here in the UK, we saw that in a single person earning £16,176 per annum is richer than 90.6% of people in the world. We also saw that a family or a household of four people earning over Forty and a half thousand pounds are richer than 90% of the world's population. That's incredible, isn't it? So it's quite clear, although this was a scripture that was given from Paul to teach Timothy something, it's still speaking today to those who are rich, to people like me who have the opportunity to stand in front of believers, Christians, and people who say they love God, to remind them that we are in the top richest, one of the top richest countries in the world. And in this verse, we can actually see God calling us to walk his rich life, 
to walk his rich life. And that rich life is to ensure that we put our hope in God, not money, not anything else, but God as a priority, to walk humbly before God and other people, to, to have that spirit of humility, but also to do good, to actually proactively look to do good. And how do we do that? The Bible tells us by being rich in good deeds, doing good things, by being generous, and also being willing to share. How are you doing with that one? It's a good verse, isn't it? Being willing to share. So our Be Rich campaign series is all about being loving. It's about being serving, uh, serving, and it's also about giving. And I want to encourage us all to use our wealth and to use also... Um, you know, our extra that James talked a little bit more about last week, the extra to use them, you know, to send out that ripple effect across our city of love and generosity and, and giving. So we're asking everybody to participate. We want to see 100% participation wherever we can. If everybody could give £10, if you can, if you possibly can, into this fund and we're going to give 100% of everything that comes in. We're going to give everything away. And I think that's a real great sign and a demonstration of generosity to send that out across our church to help and support families in our community. And we're going to be realizing again that we are blessed to be a blessing. So I love what Pastor Andy Stanley said. He says, let's show our communities that our faith is more than just sermons and songs. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus in such a way that regardless of where we stand, politically, culturally, regardless of our backgrounds, there is something that brings us together that has the power not only to change others, but to change us. It has the power to change us. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to show our city God's love and God's heart to serve others. Last week we talked about God's extravagant love for us. James talked about that, God's extravagant love for us. And as we receive that extravagant love in our lives, we are transformed and we are to love one another extravagantly as Jesus showed us. Now, I, I've got no flowers this week. I'm sorry. James excelled last week. I have no flowers. But today, in the light of how God demonstrated his love for us, and by serving us, because that's what he did. He came to serve us by giving his life as a payment for our sin. We could never pay that price. But he came willingly to pay a price for our sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why we're approaching Easter and we'll be celebrating that again. Because he took what we deserved upon himself to set us free and to give us the promise of eternal life with him. What a gift. Free gift to all who believe in him. And so he came to serve us. And he calls us to serve others in the same way by serving them. We are to serve other people as we've received from him. Now, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Ephesians. And it says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, because he knows what we are like. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, 
to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. How incredible is that? It's amazing that when you connect to God, when you become a Christian, you can find actually purpose in life. You can find something that's purposeful to give your life to, to discover God's plan for your life, because he has a plan for your life. And, you know, good works will never save us. Only Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the payment for sin and his, how we receive salvation and how, you know, we receive his favor. But actually, the Bible says that we're saved to do good works. And God's got good works for you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, he's got good works stored up in advance for you to do. So it makes sense. You've got to connect to that, right? We, we, need, to, we need to realize that, first of all, and then say, God, today, I surrender myself to you. Use me today to reach your world with your gospel and your love. And I've always been quite inspired by this because I think, what a joy, friends, that God wants to use me to be the answer to somebody else's prayer and need. Mark Sherry. And he wants you to be involved in meeting other people's needs just the same and to see service as a privilege. Hello? To see service as a privilege. Okay? It's the greatest thing that you can do is to serve others. Now, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be what? To serve. This is Jesus. And to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he came to do. He came to serve. And so now the challenge to serve God by serving others is actually the calling of every Christian. All of us are called to that. So I want to say three things this morning. If I have the time, which I want to try and just summarize and, and bring to our attention here. The first one is this, that Jesus sets the example for us and he throws out a challenge. Okay, he never ever will ask you to do something that he's not done or prepared to do himself. It's a sign of great leadership, actually. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, Jesus said? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's a good promise, isn't it? You want the blessing of God? Well, do what Jesus told us to do. Go and do likewise. Do what he did. And he's not saying, you know, everybody who visits your house, you've got to wash their feet now. But what do you know this? See, what he's actually saying is it's the servant heart. You, you not wait to be asked. You just, you, you just serve. It's just what you do. It's who you are. It displays whose you are, right? Jesus, he was a servant king and he's our example and he calls us to live the kind of life that he lived with the same humility, with the same attitude, and with the same willingness to serve others. In fact, Jesus actually said in Mark chapter 10, 41, he said, you, you follower of me, do not lord it over the Gentiles. He said, we're not to live our lives like a master, but you're to live your life as a servant, 
whatever your position that you may hold in life, whatever leadership position you get to be blessed to serve in, then that's exactly what you're to do. You're to serve, not lord it, not, not be the master, not to be the boss, if you like, in that situation. He goes on to say, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, you must, must be your servant. So true greatness, actually, Jesus says, is found in service, not in prominence, not in power, not in any position that you might hold. The heart of service is actually seen, I think, when you know we intentionally choose to take that lower position, like Jesus did, like his example was, and to take off our outer garments, as he did, and he took up something else. He took up the towel of service, and he washed his disciples' feet. And often we, we, have, to, we have to let some stuff go. To serve others, we really do. The Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility considers others, what? Better than yourselves. Well, how, are you, how are you doing with that one? Ouch. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Wow. Our attitude should be the same as Jesus. He set the example. I've got no excuses. I just need to look to him. D.L. Moody, who was a great evangelist, he said this, the measure of a person is not how many servants they have, but how many people they serve. Good, eh? Really good. It's how many people they serve. So he sets the example. The second thing we need to really get a hold of is that if Christ's love is in you, you are called to serve. You're called to serve the people in your life who you encounter. The Bible says this, and you know this story well. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. You, you have answered correctly, Jesus. Replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, as many people do in the world today. And he asked the question, and who is my neighbor then? Because we all like to serve the nice people, right? The good people, the, you know, the happy people. We all like that. But what, 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 so who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came there, 
uh, where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might have. I often, when I read this story, used to go, wow, what a guy. See, the, the priest and the Levite representing the religious establishment of the day, the expected people who would stop and do something, get involved, you know, we find didn't happen here. The priests, you know, didn't get involved because of all different kinds of reasons. But one, because it made him ceremonially, you know, it would defile him. And if it was defiled, it would take him a week, you know, to get sorted out and to get the red heifer and have it, you know, slaughtered and, and to correct the whole process where he could function as a priest again, he would have to cleanse himself. It would affect his family. What about his family and his household? His servants wouldn't quite perhaps have, you know, everything they needed that week. And so when he thought about this, as he saw the need in front of him, we actually read that when he saw the man, he just passed by on the other side. Then the Levite, the Levites served the priests, but the subject to the same kinds of cleansing maybe he was looking down the road and saw you know the priest walking by and thought to myself gosh you know the guy that I'm serving that my role model has just walked by on the other side then if the priest passed by then I should do the same right I should walk by on the other side and not meet that need and of course the bible records that he passed by on the other side both men saw the man helpless but did didn't do anything, and they just walked by. It made me think this week about the needs that we see every day in our lives. We see, often see needs, and we fail to meet the need that is there before us, and in some ways we walk by on the other side, right? We don't get involved. Over the years, I've heard lots of reasons. People saying that someone else will do it. Someone will say, it, it'll cost me too much. Someone else will say, well, I'm too old. I'm too young. Someone says, the classic, it's not my responsibility. Someone else will do it. And of course, the worst one is I'm just too busy. Because friends, I'll be honest with you, busyness is a great enemy of compassion. It really is. You don't see things because you're so busy. You're in the fog. And what all these reasons kind of say to me is, that we only want to serve when other, other people when it suits us. That can't be right, can it? Because there's a cost in service. And it's like carrying that do not disturb around sign. I mean, I know we don't all walk around with the plaque do not disturb Mark Sherritt today. He's a busy man. But inside our hearts, we're saying, God, don't disturb me. Don't shake up my ordered world. I've got things to do, people to see, places to go. Rick Warren... I love what he said. He said, God doesn't want us to think less of ourselves. He simply wants us to think of ourselves less. So as far as Jesus is concerned, you know, the attitude of passing others in need doesn't actually cut it. The Samaritan, he tells the story how the Samaritan just happens to be passing through that area when he sees this half-dead man who... You know, he's not a neighbor. 
He's not close to this guy at all. He's a stranger. He's a Jewish stranger. From his Jerusalem to Jericho, that's what he, where he is. And we also know that there was a massive conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. Yet, the Samaritan is also bound by the same, you know, restrictions, if you like, and ceremonies to cleanse himself if he gets involved. He, 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 he can still be defiled. And yet, he somehow chooses to walk past all of that He walks past the cultural differences, the religious differences, the politics and personal barriers. And the Samaritan, it says, as he traveled, came to where he was and then he saw him. He took pity on him and he is moved with compassion and he immediately takes action. I love that. He's not thinking too hard, too much. Well, I need to think a little bit more about it. No, he's straight in there. He's straight in there, willing to use all of his own resources, the oil, the wine, the clothes, donkey, the money, to pay for the stranger's care, the lodgings, the food, and even when he came back, if he overspent, then he was going to pay it all. And this is selfless service as he seeks nothing in return himself. Isn't that beautiful? It's like Jesus. It's a picture of the gospel, actually. What Jesus did for you and for me. And he calls us to respond in the same way. He says, which one of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. See, it's the one who got involved. It's the one who used their time. It's the one who used their energy. It's the one who used their gifts and their talents and abilities. It's the one who showed compassion. It's the one who served the stranger, and can I say it's the one who served the enemy? Wow. It was the one who made the difference. And Jesus said, just go and do likewise. Release mercy and goodness and compassion from your life. Get involved and make a a difference. And I want to say the Samaritan is known because of what he did. And he became, to us, is known as the Good Samaritan. He was known because of what he did. And God calls us to be ready and willing to serve others. That will include those who are different than us. And can I say, even an enemy. John Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. That's a good bit of advice, right? Could you imagine our world would change if we all lived like that, wouldn't it? So I ask you today to be involved in this year's church-wide Be Rich. Just a little opportunity in this season where we can all get involved in something together. But I also want to urge you beyond this to live the rich life. Ongoingly, live the rich life. Be rich towards God in giving to Him and rich towards others as we think about giving to Him. Friends, God's love becomes visible when we serve. It becomes visible when we serve. In fact, I love the fact that God just didn't talk to us about his love. I love the fact that he demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would receive eternal life. For God didn't come into the world to condemn it. (laughs) He came to save it. It's beautiful, isn't it? What a love story this is. I loved hearing Fuller as I close this week talk about the things that we did last year as a church and uh, through Be Rich and and I I thought I I need to say this again 
because this is how you and I as a church served the community. We provided bereavement support for children and young people. We provided community food parcels to those with mental health and or isolation transport issues. We supported those who lost loved ones through COVID-19. We provided healthy food and activities for 6 to 11 year olds for free during the half term holidays. We organized community activities and information sessions for residents of Fishermead. We provided hot cooked breakfast at a minimum cost on Mondays and Wednesday mornings. We raised awareness of the methods of maintaining natural hair care for those of African and Caribbean origin. And as you know, Follow was very happy about that. Offered basketball coaching, which we've heard about this morning from Pete, just amazing stuff. Um, and supported a Christmas extravaganza for families that have children and additional needs, needs and life-limiting conditions. We provided performing arts, workshop, dance, music, uh, and drama for people with disabilities. Supported the building of diverse community cohesion through expert tuition and training in singing and music. We supported the provision of 190-plus Christmas dinner and goodie boxes to the vulnerable in Milton Keynes. We supported the organising of live music and network events for young people and young people to showcase local and national music talent. 48 volunteers gave 3,808 hours into the community and I say that is wonderful and I am very proud of you all. If you were involved in that, how amazing. Napoleon looked at a map of China and said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it awakes, it will shake the world. Every weekend I look out across this church and think, my goodness, if we could get our act together, we could shake the world, man. We could do this. You and I can do this together.